Good morning. Um, we're going to uh, study Abraham's story this morning, and I want to say, before we get there, um, we've talked about Father's Day and we prayed for fathers this morning, um, but I, I don't want to, I, I want to realize that there are likely people in this room who have had fathers who have uh, not been the greatest, and as we celebrate fathers, sometimes people who have had not the greatest fathers, it can be struggle a struggle for them and uh, a case of envy, perhaps. Um, but we're going to look at Abraham's story this morning, and when we think of Abraham, we think of father. We may even think of the song, Father Abraham, many sons, right? Um, but... One of the things we're going to pull out here is Abraham was a was a mess. Um, he was he was. I, I mean, when, when I think of Abraham, I think of one of the heroes of the faith. But some of the stuff we're going to hear today, he was a mess. He was jacked up. He had some serious issues going on in his world. And I, I want us to point to the fact that anything that was valuable in Abraham was there because God put it there, and he is the ultimate hero of the, of Abraham's story. God is. And so if you are here on Father's Day and your heart is broken a little bit because you had a bad dad, um, even those around you that had great dads, the hero of, of that great dad is, is the, the father. Um, so uh, maybe that'll give you some sort of hope um, in some way. Uh, before we get into Abraham's story, I want to reiterate a point that uh, we've made throughout the course of the series so far is that the point, this is J.D. Greer's a quote, he says, the point is not living or dying, God is the point. We have to learn to re-express and rediscover our stories around the centrality of God and his story. So as we see things, life happening to us, it's not about the moment, it's about what God is orchestrating in us and through us and around us. And we'll learn that from Abraham's story. And we can learn that from our stories. In every one of our stories, every time God is a point, his grace, his love, his mercy, his provision, God is the point of, of every story. And he's trying to get our attention. And Abraham's story is not about Abraham. It is about God and his glorious grace. So let's, let's turn to Abraham's story. It's in Genesis 12 to begin with. We're going to be all the way through Genesis 21 this morning. So we have a, a lot to get to uh, this morning to, to tell all of his story. But I, as, as I read these little snippets of stories, this is what I found true of me is we've read a lot of these stories together uh, or uh, separately. I'm sorry. We've read these stories and understood these stories separately, but they all kind of fit into the timeline of the biography of the life of Abraham. So I, I want you to, to pretend, if you will, that you're not hearing a sermon. Instead, you're, you're hearing a reading of the story of, of some guy's life. And that's, this is Abraham. So let's see that as a story. And, and I, want to, I want you to see the fact that Abraham's faith is great, and then Abraham's faith is terrible. And then Abraham's faith is great, and then Abraham's faith is terrible. And I hope that we can relate to some of that. Um, so uh, let's, let's pray and ask God to, to join us here and, and we'll dig into the, the text. 
God, I pray that you would guide our hearts and guide our, our minds as we think and study about you. And God, I pray that we would see this story as a story of your faithfulness to a sometimes faithful and sometimes faithless man. And God, may we relate to Abraham here and may we relate to, to you and how you have been the solid, unchanging rock in our lives and around us as you're weaving events to orchestrate uh, faith in us. And we know that faith is of greater worth than gold, especially when your son Jesus Christ is revealed. In his name I pray, amen. So Abraham 12, or Abraham, <laughs> Genesis 12, uh, starting in, in verse 1. Let's, let's read the story of Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abram, before Abraham was Abraham, he was Abram, and God changed his name later to Ab- from Abram to Abraham. So now the Lord God said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. In other words, go and move and leave your friends and your relatives and everything behind. Go to the land that I will show you. Abraham's going is an instance of of great faith. God, you tell me to do this. I trust you. I'm going to do it. That's really the definition of having faith in God. Verse 2, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Who would like to have Genesis 12, 2 said to them? You should all raise your hand. Thank you, Haley. Thank you, Sue. You should all raise your hands. Thank you. That's better. Got about 40%. Um, The other 60% of you, we can talk later. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. How would you like to, everywhere you went, everyone that you encountered, you were a blessing to them. This is the promise that God is making to Abraham. And Abraham responds very well. Verse 3 is even better. You should... I hope to get more than 40% when I ask you to raise your hands on this one. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families shall be blessed. How, how do you, like, this is the promise Abraham is making, that God is making to Abraham. If you, if people are nice to you, I'm going to be nice to them. If people dishonor you, I'm going to curse them. That's like... Seriously, that's really good. Who would like for that to happen to them? This is one of the the triumphs of the life of Abraham. Something great has happened to him. But I want us to see that in just a few short verses, it's all going to go away. Abraham believes God and believes him in such a way as to change his life and do something completely crazy like leave his hometown and go to a different land. But in just a few short verses, it falls away. Slide down to verse 10 of chapter 12. And I hope that we can see relating, relatable nature of Abraham here. Verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. And when he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. 
And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say that you are my sister, so that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life, my life may be spared for your sake. Can we take a pause for a second? Because this is probably, uh, if you've been around church for very long, you've probably heard this story before, and it's not shocking to you because you've heard it many times before. But what happened here, imagine, guys, walk with me here. Let's, let's have this conversation with, I want you to have this conversation with your wife. I want you to pretend you, you've just moved to a new city and you're, you're, you're in a new block. And I want your husband to say to you, um, hey, babe, pretend that you're my sister and not my wife so that the people around me will like me better because you're really hot. Like, it's absurd. And this is, this is Father Abraham. This is the one who, first of all, here's where, where I think we can relate here because Abraham has enough faith to leave everything and go to a land that's not his own, but he doesn't have enough faith in what God just promised him to be honest with and about his wife around his new area. It just, it doesn't make sense, except when we turn that examination eye on ourselves, we can have tremendous faith over here, and then just moments later, have awful faith in another spot. Are you with me? You you tracking there? Let's go back, because it's about to get worse. Verse 14, when Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. She'd have to be really beautiful to like, like that. Wow, she's everyone is seeing, wow, she's really beautiful. Verse 15, and when the princes of Pharaoh, that's the, the, basically the king of Egypt, the, the princes of the king said, saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Um, let me lay out what, what that Bible language just said. She became his concubine. She, like, was at his sexual beck and call. At what point does Abraham think to himself, this was a bad lie, this was a bad story for me to make up? For me, it doesn't get to the point where somebody takes my wife and makes them their sex slave. It doesn't get there. Like, at some point, I'm going to say, dude, I made a mistake, I was lying, this is my wife. But for Abraham, it doesn't get to that point. It's not that bad yet. Do, do we, like, how faithless do you have to be? Do you remember what we just raised our hands about? Those who bless you, I'm going to bless. And those who dishonor you, I'm going to curse. Does, Abraham doesn't believe that. Can we relate to that? I hope that you can, because you should. So he takes her into his house, and God faithful to his promise verse 16 for and for her sake he dealt well with abram and he had sheep and oxen and male donkeys and male servants and female servants and female donkeys and camels he gave all that stuff to abram because his sister was now in his concubine verse 17 but the lord afflicted pharaoh just like god promised you deal bad with abraham i'm going to deal bad with you and with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. 
I want to stop for just a second. And we, we're focusing on Abram here, but let's think just for a second about Sarai, who will eventually become Sarah. What do you think is happening in her heart? My husband, who trusted God enough to make me leave my family and my life, now has me having sex with the king? Like, you're here to protect me, to nurture me, to, to, to point me toward, and this is, this is the way you're going to treat me? How, how does this change her? In, in a bit, we'll see how Abram's lack of faith put pain into her life. Uh, verse 18, So Pharaoh called to Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. I want to say this, and this is something that we we really don't believe and this is important for us as we, a, a, a truth to take out of the story of Abraham. Abraham's failure, and it's, it's pretty obvious, right? His failure here is pretty obvious. Abraham's failure does not change the promise that God made to him. I want to say that again, because this is really important. Abraham's failure, your failure, your husband's failure, your wife's failure, your friend's failure, your pastor's failure does not change God's promises to you. And we're going to see other instances of of God remaining faithful to Abraham when Abraham is faithless to God because, and this this is the point of this whole series, Abraham is not the hero God is the hero. Always. See this in your story and in the story of those around you. Because, let's bring this to 2015, the single biggest promise that God has made to you. God didn't come to you and say, I'm going to bless those who bless you and I'm going to curse those who dishonor you. God did not make that promise to you. But he did make one promise to you. And the biggest promise that he's ever made to you is that he sent his son Jesus to die for you once and for all so that everything would be clean for you. That your failures would be overcome and your acceptance and love would be full based on what Jesus has done and not based on what you have done. Your failures don't change that. We're in this series, creation, fall, redemption, restoration, and falls for us can be sin in us and can be things around us. I want to tell you about a very recent fall that happened to a friend of mine. Um, and uh, I, I got a call yesterday morning from Scott Clayton. He's a friend who leads worship for Christ Church. Uh, it's one of the churches we support, and uh, they've connected with us a few times. Uh, got a call early in the morning from Scott. Um, woke me up, so I, I called him back right away, and he told me this story that uh, Judd, the pastor of the church's father-in-law, was killed, um, young man, probably in his mid-50s, uh, woke up yesterday morning to go on a bike ride, 
uh, 5.30 in the morning and was hit by a hit-and-run drunk, drunk driver, killed instantly. Just found out just right before the service started that they found out that this kid was 21 years old and likely going 100 miles an hour on a, uh, basically a, a common city street, 100 miles an hour, and killed him instantly. And I say that, uh, one, because this is a church. Some of you, you know Judd and know his wife, and he's, they've been around, been a part of some of our, our fellowship celebrations. Some of you have been out to his church before. Say that, one, for you, to you guys to pray for, for her and, and for him, but also to pray for this kid, this 21-year-old kid, but also to say that falls for us don't always have to be premeditated by us. Abraham's fall is rooted in Abraham doing something really dumb and having a lack of faith. Judd's father-in-law's fall, the fall that Judd and his wife are currently in the middle of, this, this tragedy that they're currently in the middle of, had nothing to do with them or their sin. But the faithfulness of God will remain. Even when they don't see it and we don't see it. So I, I don't want us to get lost in Abraham's sin and this fall is the result of that. Sometimes our falls are the result of other people's sin. Sometimes our falls are the result of just the fact that we live in a broken world. Um, but the faithfulness of God does not and cannot change. Um, I want to pause just for, just for a second. Let's, uh, let's, let's pray for... Judd and his wife and their family. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that you are a faithful God. God, I pray that your peace would be ministered to this family and even to this this kid who has done a horrible thing. God, I pray that your love and your mercy and your grace would be on full display, Father, because you are a good God and you are a loving God and you don't change based on our actions. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name. Amen. Slide down to Genesis 13. More promises being made, an affirmation of previous promises for God to make towards Abraham. Remember that God is telling a story about his complete faithfulness in Abraham. God is a hero, and Abraham is not the hero. Abraham does not deserve this blessing. Verse 14, the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes up, look from the place where you are, northward and southward, eastward and westward, for all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. And I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that no one, no one can count the dust of the earth. Your offspring also can be counted. Arise and walk the length and breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. Okay, this is, this is just after this great failure of Abraham. He tells him to look his eyes, look up his eyes, and look around. And all that he sees will be given to him, and he'll have a, a great heritage children more than the dust of this land everywhere this is a great promise for abraham but wait genesis 16 another fall 
In this fall, we're going to see distrust, adultery, contempt, bitterness, fear, meandering faith, a broken marriage, and a heartbroken wife. Let's read it. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has preventing me, prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. Okay, again, familiar passage alert for what just happened. His wife said, I can't give you kids. Why don't you go have sex with my maid? See if she can give you a kid. Ridiculous. This is, this is the man and his wife that God chose to build his, his heritage upon. And he, he goes along with this ridiculous idea. It's, it's absurd. Can you see that Abraham is not worthy of our admiration? Can you see that Abraham is a worthless piece of garbage? Don't ever let the enemy tell you that something that has happened in your life is a cause for you to, to be broken from the fellowship of God's love. Because this is the guy, Jesus is going to come from this line. David is going to come from this line. Every hero in Scripture is going to come from this line, as God promised. Because we are not the hero. God is the hero. And God is faithful even when we are faithless. This is the story that God is telling. So when you think that somehow your story is about you, be careful. Because it's not and it shouldn't be. And here's the other thing. Abram had propped his wife up to be his hero, to be the one to give him a child. Sarah had propped her husband up to be the husband, to be the hero, so they could have children, so they could fulfill God's promises. So there, God promised us this. He didn't deliver. So we're going to decide that we're going to be the ones to be active so that we can fulfill God's promises for God, because clearly God can't do it by himself. So we're going to do something ridiculously stupid to, to earn this, and, and so that now we can fulfill God's promises in us. That's just, it's, it's silly. When we think about the activity of what happened, it just is silly. But... Let's turn this examination on ourselves and see how every day we don't go have sex with our maids, but we decide that the promises of God somehow need to be helped by us and our work and our effort, and we're faithless. God, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. But there's more. By the way, let me say, wives, 
Your husband is not the hero. And don't ask him to be. Husbands, your wives are not the hero. And don't ask her to be. God is your hero. Verse 3 of Genesis 16. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, his servant, and gave her to Abram, gave her gave her to Abram her husband as a wife. And he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. So in other words, he convinces she convinces her husband to have sex with her maid, and she conceives, and then it went bad. Who would have thought? Verse 5, And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong to me be on you. Look at her blaming him. But really, he probably earned some of that blame. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt, May the Lord judge between you and me. There's brokenness that happens as a result of our brokenness. As a result of our faithlessness, brokenness happens. But what is, what is God's response? Faithfulness. Skip down to, verse, or to, to Genesis 21. Here comes the punchline, the restoration. The Lord visited Sarah... As he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as God commanded him. He, elsewhere in Scripture, it says that Abraham was 100 years old when this happened. God's promises take a long time sometimes to happen. God's promises most of the time happen when we can blame no one else for this blessing other than God. And here, throughout Abraham's life, he had been a, a sissy, lying, non-protecting, terrible husband, which probably created a, a distrust or some sort of frailty inside of Sarah to, to create this desire for her to give him Hagar and all of these things, all of this brokenness, but God is faithful. This is like, I'm, I've been reading through Genesis this, this week and just overcome by the faithfulness of God. Like this is encouraging to my faithless, meandering heart because God doesn't change. He's so faithful all the time in spite of us. And this is the really hard part. Um, Genesis 22. Before we get there, do you realize in the middle of the fall that God is preparing and equipping you for future instance where your faith is going to be absolutely necessary. Say that again. Do you realize that the falls that are happening to you and God's faithfulness in the midst of them, God is weaving 
and planting faith inside of you that's going to be absolutely vital and essential for something that's to come in your life. That's something that was to come in Abraham's life is found in Genesis 22. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Familiar story alert. Let's break into this and hear what just happened. You're over 100 years old. I've been promising you for your lifetime that you're going to have a child from Sarah, and it's going to be this child will be the blessing for all these nations to come. And now I want you to kill him. This um, thoroughly breaks my heart. I have one son, and I love him dearly, and this is Father's Day. Um, some of you guys know this. I, I asked for some prayer from a, a group of you. Um, a couple of weeks ago, um, Cooper had, um, was having some heart issues and uh, got pretty serious, pretty bad, and so much so that any time he would exert himself even a little bit, uh, it would, uh, he would drop to his knees in pain in his chest. And it was freaking us out. Like he would, he, he's got this thing, you've ever been around him, he, he likes, to, when there's a sign, he'll like to run up and jump and touch it. One time at the mall, he runs up and starts to jump and touch the sign. He gets about to here in his jump and he just falls and it, there's this deep pain in his chest. So we call the doctor and uh, the doctor says, come on in and see him. And here's, uh, I've been given this advice from someone and I want to give it to you. Whenever something happens to you and you have a doctor's appointment that's not immediately, stay off of the internet. Um, <laughs> um, because it's, it's bad news and you, your, your mind immediately goes to worst case scenario. Here's something that I did. Uh, I got on the internet, I, I'm reading this this medical journal story, and like the first couple of paragraphs are like really encouraging to me. Like, hey, this is not so bad. And so I, I, without reading the rest of the article, I sent it to Jen. And then I read the rest of the article, and it's like sudden, quick pain in your chest without a lot of exertion, with quick exertion. That's like, medically speaking, that's, that's bad. Be worried if that happens. So exactly what's happening to Cooper, this medical journal is saying, be worried. And so there's like, we go to see our pediatrician who sets an appointment with a, a cardiologist and there's 48 hours between that time and your mind goes to worst case scenario. And this is about two weeks ago and I know that I'm going to be preaching this Sunday about Abraham, about his being called to sacrifice his son on Father's Day and it's breaking my heart and I'm, I'm praying, God, Please don't take my son from me. And I'm thinking about trying to talk to you guys about faith and faithfulness and faithlessness. And I'm angry at God because I've convinced myself that there's something wrong with my kid. I've convinced myself that maybe he won't die, but he'll never get to, to, to be active, that he loves to be active ever again. And that's going to be worse. It's going to break. And, and all of this stuff is breaking my heart about this God that says he's faithful and says, trust me. And, and now I've got to deal with this. Um, 
So we go to, uh, to this cardiology appointment, and um, he, they do this, they, all the stickers up to him and, and test him, and then they go into this, uh, the mo- most important part, uh, uh, an ultrasound where they're looking at his heart, and there's, you know, what do I know? I'm looking at nonsense here. I don't know what, what I'm looking at, like flaps and beating, and I don't, I don't understand it. And they've got this really cool thing, by the way, like direction flow of the blood is blue this way and red that way. And like I'm watching this and, and a lady's explaining this all to me. And she said, she stops and says, by the way, everything looks normal. <sighs> I mean, this, this, is, this is the ridiculousness of it is that even when he was jumping and falling to his knees and I was broken and worried and freaked out, he was, he was normal in those moments. Like, there was nothing miraculous that happened from Tuesday to Thursday, from the, the pediatrician appointment to the cardiology appointment. There was nothing that biological, to my knowledge, that happened during that time. And I'm thinking there, sitting there, watching it, thinking that thought. And I'm excited because one of the things that I've been saying throughout this whole story series is we are... We are bound by our linear view of time. I'm, my Thursday of that week was bound by Tuesday. If I had known on Thursday what I knew on Tuesday, Wednesday would have been a lot better day because we're bound by our linear view of time. But here's, here's, here's the end story. God is faithful and he will give to you. Even when it's Tuesday and you're reading ridiculous articles on the internet and your heart is broken and you don't know what's going to happen, Thursday is going to happen. God will be faithful. But wait a second. What about Judd's father-in-law? How, where's faithfulness there? I don't know. But maybe it's Tuesday for him and Thursday's not yet here. I, I, I can't, I don't have any explanation for that other than God has good, is good. Let's read this story because I want to get to the end of this. Um, verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him. And his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of God, which God had told him. What do you think is happening in Abraham's mind right now? I'm preparing all of this and I'm about in in an hour or so, I'm going to kill my son. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes up and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young man, stay here with a donkey and I and the boy will go over there and worship and, and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took his hand, took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both went, both of them went together. Isaac and his son. um, Walking to the place where Isaac is going to be killed by his dad. Verse 7. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, 
Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. What do you think is in Abraham's mind here? Do you think he's drawing upon the past faithfulness of God there? Verse 10. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For I know now that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Verse 14 may be the best verse in Scripture. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Why don't you just let that phrase sit in your mind. Cooper, hit that next slide. On the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. On the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Even when we are lost in our own sin or in sin that happens to us or just the brokenness, Abraham's stuff was his own sin. My stuff with Cooper and whatever was just the brokenness of our world that we die. Judd's father-in-law is sin that was done to him. None of it changes that. On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Like wherever it is, wherever you are, whatever is happening, God is weaving and orchestrating events to get your mind off of yourself and onto him so that you will go to the mount and have your needs and everything provided for. On the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. I love the, the strength of shall. It shall, not might, not maybe, not sometimes. It shall be provided. On the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. We serve a good and holy God. And sometimes we don't see it. But the promise, the faithful promise, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Let's, uh, let's pray and sing about his faithfulness. God, you are good, and even when we don't see it, you are good. God, teach us, please, to see your goodness and your faithfulness, your mercy and your grace and your love. Thank you that you did not spare your son. Thank you that you put him forward. 
And by his blood, we have been healed. His blood, we have you. We have his righteousness. Thank you for Jesus. God, teach us to be faithful people. Thank you for Jesus. Guide us now as we respond to you. Thank you so much for this life. God, strengthen our faith. By the power of Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.